Let's open in prayer this morning. Father, we worship you and praise you. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Oh, God, thank you for a time of worship. Clearly, we just look forward to the day when we don't stop. When time is not a factor, just like it is not a factor with you. Father, as Josh prayed, I stand in agreement with his prayer that you will fill my mouth with your words. I give you my mouth. I give you my will. Do through me what you desire, Father, and nothing else. Allow no room for me in there, but manifest you. We worship you and praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you all hear me in the back there? Good enough? Should I sign language? <laughs> okay. Anybody in here who is a parent is going to understand this next statement. Anybody who grew up as a kid in here is going to understand this next statement. So there, I just included the rest of you. Parents will just, they will understand it in, in a different level, like two levels maybe. I just want to fit in, right? I just want to fit in. I remember as a kid thinking, I just want to fit in. Even though there, there are circumstances that we're put in, and especially kids are put in, where that's a difficult thing sometimes. When I was a little kid, I grew up in public school as a little kid, and in a military family. My, my father was in the Marine Corps for 20 years. He, he was in the Marine Corps until I was a sophomore in high school. So as a, as a young kid, at this time, and this, this shows how bad I am with timing, and people were laughing at me about that yesterday, but something that had literally happened earlier that day, I'm thinking that was last week. So I, I don't know what happened there. But I'm pretty sure this was second or third grade. Mom, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But second or third grade, I'm just wanting to fit in. I'm just wanting to fit in. I'm at a new school. Yeah, it had to be second grade because I was at a new school. I was at a different school for first grade. When, of course, in the military, you just move all over the place, right? New school, wanting to fit in. All these kids, I really enjoy people. I'm a people person. I want to be around them and everything else. And, and what in, inevitably happens is you do the very thing that makes you not fit in. I answered a question in class that from a public school standpoint would be a certain answer. <laughs> from a Christian standpoint, that answer would be very different. My answer was very different as a second grader. This caused me not to fit in. <laughs> in fact, it went beyond that. 
started getting beat up every day after school because I stood up in class and said, well, as a Christian, because I'm second grade, right? And, and I, I'm literally repeating the words of my parents that I, I heard them say to me and I would hear them saying in conversations. So I'm just repeating them. So technically, this is their fault. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm guilty. I can actually call that the peanut gallery now. You know that? that that's, for those of you online, we have a balcony here where my dad's sitting. But... Uh, <laughs> But in this case, you know, I stood up. I, I, didn't, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, well, okay, I'm, I'll answer the question. I'll speak truth. Well, the Bible says blank, right? And so not only did I not fit in, but then the kids began to hate me for it. Specifically the guys, because at that time in my life, I... It, the girls didn't matter as much as the guys, right? You're still afraid of the girls in the second grade. So, so, so it was the guys that I needed to, to be cool with, to fit in with. And these were the guys that would beat me up every day after school. Only to find out later, the one who was my best friend or thought he was my best friend was the one that would lead me into the ambush every day. I thought at least with him I fit in. Right? Oddly enough, it wasn't until I fought back, which I didn't realize that I was allowed to fight back. I thought this was another thing. As a Christian, you know, i got to just sit there and take it and take the punches and I'll be okay. You know, just try not to hit me in the face. So one day they did hit me in the face and I had a bloody lip or bloody nose or something, got home and my dad's, what is that? And I told him and he goes, who in the world told you you couldn't fight back? (laughs) This is coming from a Marine. I I should have connected the two, right? So next day, same thing happens. It was every day, no matter how I went home, because at that point I didn't know it was my best friend who was telling him where I'm coming and kind of leading me to him. So my dad tells me, and I know many of you maybe have heard this story. Tough. I will tell it again. My dad just said, you know what, just pick the biggest one. Pick the biggest one, fight him, and they will be your friends. <laughs> what my dad failed to teach me to do was how to fight. <laughs> Didn't know how to do that. I didn't think to ask how to do that. So the next day, sure enough, they surround me again. And I didn't need to pick the biggest one because they picked the biggest one. They would always choose, okay, you get to hit him this day. You get to hit him this day. And I'll I'll never forget, it was a guy named Ben. And he was was second grade, but he was probably a good four or five inches taller than me. I was not tall when I was a kid. It wasn't until ninth grade that I really started to, to grow. But this, this, this kid, who was the biggest, comes up to me, and it's his turn to beat on me. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to hit back, so I just tackled him. And I just put him on the ground, sat on his arms, and I just sat there. And he's struggling to try and hit me, and I just held his arms. Because I didn't know what else to do. 
I literally held him until he was so embarrassed that he just asked me to get up. It was at that point that we became friends. That whole group was my friends. And by the way, that part's not the part of the story. Because it ended up going on with my life that way. All throughout school, even coming into college, my first year of college was an absolute horror show. I played football. I I played football for Liberty. And I'm not going to go into the whole story because I love, I love that school. But the coach, Coach Dowling, he was not a man after God's own heart. I would dare say didn't even know the Lord. And some of the things that he allowed should not have been at that school. Well, there were four of us, four freshmen that decided, wait a second, we came to Liberty as a Christian school to stand for Christian principles, and we need to let Coach know that this is wrong, what's going on. This is not just wrong, this is horrible. And we went in to the coach, only to find out he was behind the whole thing. That was a tough year for me. Probably the toughest year in in my entire life. It was the very year that I had a choice to choose to trust God through the difficulty or rely on myself to control my situation. I wish I could say that I trusted God, but I didn't. I thought from that moment on, I will control my life. I will do the things that allow me to control my life, which was make money. So as a freshman, my whole future changed. I grew up my entire life wanting to be in ministry. That year changed that. Because, see, I was placed in the fire, and I didn't realize there was somebody in there with me that could take me through that fire. And it all stemmed from this idea of just wanting to fit in. It doesn't just happen to kids. I remember as I'm building business with the transportation company, having situations where we would go to that I had a choice. I could fit in and move about in their world that would greatly enhance the business, or I could do what God wants me to do. And it was a battle. For 25 years, it was a battle. You can ask Alexis. It was a battle because I wasn't in the direction God wanted me to be in in the first place. You see, he didn't want me just to fit in. He didn't build me that way. He built me for a purpose. Do you wonder in your lives why you struggle sometimes with fitting in? 
Maybe it's because you're not supposed to. Maybe it's because you're to be a light to those who do fit in. Does that make sense? You know, the Lord, when he was on this earth, he shocked everybody. I mean, so many ways, so many times, he shocked everybody, offended so many people. But this one statement here that I want to read, I want to begin with, is a shocking statement even to this day. At the time, his disciples, and I'm not just talking about the twelve, but all of those who followed him did not understand what he was saying here. How do we know that? Because they kept expecting the opposite. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to begin at verse 49. I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. By the way, let me explain what this means. He said, I have come to bring a fire to this earth, a fire down deep inside of people that would passionately love Him, that would passionately choose Him over their circumstances, over everything. He said, I have come to bring a fire. Oh, that it would have already been kindled. See, because if that fire were already there, it would have been different for Him. And He said, this baptism that I must be baptized with, He knew what it was. It was His time on the cross. He knew it was coming. He said in verse 51, Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Then he goes on to explain that. For from now on in one house there will be five divided. Three against two, two against three, they will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He said, guys, I have come to divide. Why? Because I have weighed you and you have been found Wanting as a society. I come to bring division because it is not where it needs to be in passion for me. So I come to bring division in that. And then he goes on to tell his disciples... Verse 54, he also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. When you see in the south wind blow, you say there will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret 
the present time. Wow. What an accusation. He's saying here, you're so caught up in your own little world. You're so caught up in what is around you, what affects you, what comes against you, what you're doing. You can't even see beyond that. See, this applies to our lives the moment we take our first breath to the moment we will take our last It is as simple as his command to walk in the Spirit. To know his truth. Not what the earth says his truth is. Not what manifestations around you say reality is. We're to see beyond that. We're to see what he is doing. We're to see what is coming. You don't have to look it up, but I, I just want to want to share a lament that he had for his people. Understanding in Isaiah, this is this is talking about Israel, but it is a foreshadow of his church. In Isaiah, in the Old Testament, they didn't know the mystery. Of the church. It was hidden, it says. Paul said it was hidden in the days of old. Now revealed. This idea of who his church is, who his children are. And, and by the way, I'm not, that does not replace Israel as his chosen nation. All I'm saying for the point of today is apply this to yourself. Apply this to God's children. In Psalm 81, verse 13, he says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. Let me back that up a second and change one word. Oh, that my people would listen to me. That America would walk in my ways. By the way, the only nation that at its foundation was given to God, who chose God, the only nation, not even Israel. Israel was chosen by God. You understand? Verse 14, I would soon subdue their enemies. Again, if if they would just walk in my ways, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat and the honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. How many times he has said, I would take you under my wing. I would care for you. I would take care of you. If you would just listen, if you would just recognize what's going on, if you would just take that desire to fit in, close your eyes to that, and open your eyes to what He is doing. See, we have, we're in a unique situation, not only because of the timing 
of history where we live right now. These are the times of the readying of the bride. These are the times where his bride be made accountable to him. He said, look at the signs of what's going on so you'll know how to react. So you'll know what to do. So you'll know how to pour out your faith, how to pour out your hope, how to pour out what he places in your heart. See, at Ignition, we've been told what's, what's been coming. We've been told at various levels for years. But since January, we've been told in many specifics. I'm going to share another one today. See, he has told us on March 3rd, this time of woe began. It will go through July 31st. We all know that. We've known that first time he told us that, not the dates, but first time he told us that was September 29th of last year. Then beginning this year, he began to add filler, add color to what he has told us. Why? Why do you think he has told us these things? Why do you think he has shared with us to share it with others? Certainly not because we have a voice. <laughs> At this point, we haven't been given that. So it's not to tell the masses. So why do you think? Perhaps it's to believe it ourselves. That we have to see what he is doing. We have to look and see what he says and then what he manifests and see what he's doing and believe. And we have. In this woe, we knew that chaos would begin to grow. There have been basically two phases. The coronavirus was not sent by God, although it was used by the enemy in this woe. That was the first phase. Second phase is the division that has begun. I don't know if the second phase is over. I, do, I don't know if the third phase will be a manifestation of the second ramped up. I don't know. I, I'm not going to add filler where the Lord doesn't give me filler to add or allow me to say. What I can tell you is the third phase, which is coming, will continue the chaos. It will be violent. It will be what the Lord has shared in Luke chapter 12, Matthew 24, some of these things. 
and we shared it last week, the reason why is because there comes a point where that chaos, that confusion will bring on a darkness. I don't know what it looks like, but the Lord said, this world has never seen. In a moment, the Lord's hand will drop. And in that moment, all will be forgotten of what we're in. And not because, oh, he's here and it's all good now. No, what the Lord has said is, if this world will fear what the enemy will do, I will show them what fear really looks like. I'm not going to color that in for you. I'm not going to pretend to tell you what that means. But I could tell you why. Because he will not share the spotlight with the enemy. He will show his hand because of his love for you. Because of his love for his bride, his remnant that has been crying out for deeper relationship with him. Crying out for the things going on in this world that are not right. See, we cry this out. Do we not think that He hears? Yes, He hears. He is coming to bring division. Division is what our country is seeing right now. But see the reality of what's going on. He is asking you to see above and beyond the physicality of the wrongs going on. And see what he's doing. How is he bringing division? Because he's forcing a choice. You're seeing now. People coming out and speaking in different ways. I notice it politically. Because that's that's where I pay attention more. I'm noticing it all over politically. where, Where even those who would normally walk a line. Who would normally not say anything. They, they avoid controversial things. They're speaking out. They're saying their heart. On both sides. I'm not not saying just on one side. I'm saying they're speaking their heart. And the point is, God is bringing division so that choice is manifest through the mouth. You're going to see people stand up for God that you've never seen stand up before. Maybe they have not had a voice to stand up. Maybe they're an introvert. Maybe they don't, you know, typically do that. But their heart is so passionate for God. This choice will drive them 
to manifest their heart. Do you see what I'm saying? He's coming to bring division because it will show the place of our heart. And this is where the hope comes. There will be more people, we call it revival, perhaps. But there will be more people saved between now and the end of the year than we have seen in our lifetime. All over the world. Many of those within the next couple of months. Because of this division, this dividing line that is forcing choice, forcing a reaction of the heart, God will show himself and those people will have a choice. But see, it's not just about bringing people to the Lord. In fact, the Lord has told us this first woe is more about the bride. It's more about how the bride will react. Because the next one is about the world and judgment of the world. Is he going to be allowed to speak through you? Is your heart where it needs to be for him? Do you see what's going on in the spirit? Or do you just see what's going on in front of you? See, it's important we see that because this is what he wants from it. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 60. I'm just going to read through this last part, and then I'm going to have Alex come up. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Get this. Get this, guys. Get this. Your light has come. He's talking about light. He's talking about light and the glory of the Lord rising upon you. Not that he is coming and he will be light. Are you understanding the difference? This is the light of him in you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. Thick darkness, the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. He said we're to be the light of the world, right? Hey, guess what? That's not just a metaphor. That's not just joy in the midst of sadness. But literally, when you have the Holy Spirit consume your life, you are seen differently. You're seen differently. 
You know, the, 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 the catchphrase is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That, well, that person's really filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, how many times we misplace that statement. But that's really what he wants. Because his light is to shine through us in the darkness that is coming, metaphorically, because there is darkness coming. You think it's dark now. I I, I don't want to discourage, but it will get a lot darker. I don't know if it's in the same vein or a different vein. I shouldn't say that. I do know. I just can't say. But it's going to get dark. Will your light be seen or will it be hidden? That's the division. That's the dividing line. See, you may not think of yourself as a warrior, but you are called to be a warrior. I can tell you if you're here at Ignition, you have been called to be a warrior. Those times are coming, and in fact, they are here. What God does when he puts his hand down will be nothing short of earth-shattering. He said it's something we've never seen before. It will have to do with creation. I can tell you that. He's already shown signs of it. I told you guys about the bat, right? Had another one a couple days ago. Those of you at the gifts meeting, you got to hear this already. Sit in my truck and pull into Lowe's and this bird, this big old bird, lands on the mirror, passenger side mirror. And, and I mean, that's weird enough, especially if you're in there. Usually they see you and, oh, someone's in there, I'll fly away. He didn't do that. I'm on the phone and I, I'm looking at him and I'm waving my arms and he's just looking at me. And then he jumps down to the window. And I thought, that's even more weird. Then he starts pecking at the glass. Going, pecking at the glass. Putting his wings out. Pecking at the glass to get in. Lord, do I roll down the window? I don't know. I mean, at this point, I was talking to Bryn, and I think I stopped talking. She probably wondered where I was. I kept thinking of Alfred Hitchcock, the birds. And I thought, yeah, maybe I'm not going to roll down my window. (laughs) What's funny is the Lord told me at the moment, and I didn't ignore what he was saying, But I also wasn't sure I was hearing him correctly. We'll say it that way. He said, he sees me in you. Because I have already started to turn away the effects of me turning away from my creation are already being seen. So he sees you in me. He sees God in me. You understand what I'm saying? I said, Lord, what would have happened if I would have opened the window? Now, now, by the way, this was later when I was confirming this. I, I was with a group of people. We were talking to the Lord. 
And his answer came. I hadn't told anybody that the Lord had told me that. And his answer was, if you would have opened the window, he would have flew in and he would have nestled into your arms like you were his mom. Would have felt better if he had said dad, but, (laughs) you know, I'll take what I can get. But the point is, the point is that he saw me, he saw the light inside of me, because the light of the Father had grown dim to him. You follow what I'm saying? That's how we're to be. That's how we're to be in this world. We're to show the Father through His Holy Spirit. We're to show that in our lives. When we show that in our lives, people will be drawn. And the darker it gets, they will be drawn to truth. They will be drawn to that light. Let's come on up. Um, I was reminded of this show that I don't know if it's still on. Um, if maybe I don't know if they still do episodes or if it's something from a while back. And it's called. Um, it was a series that they did on A and E or something like that. I don't know what I don't know what network, but uh, it was called Scared Straight. Anybody ever see that? And it was a it was a program that they would put mostly young people in, to show them the consequences, um, those that had continued to dabble in behavior that would put them in jail, who didn't care, didn't think, oh, it's not going to be any big deal, I, you know, I can handle jail, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And so it was, a, it, was a, it was a program to basically show them what they would really encounter in jail and the kind of intensity and oppression that they would be dealing with. And so they took them through a series of of um, things that typically happen and the inmates that were there that were part of the program would really give them the full experience, you know, getting in their face and the whole thing. thing. And, and it was designed, and, and there, I didn't watch, I've only seen a couple of them, but the Lord just reminded me of that because the one uh, that I saw, the episode that I saw, it was interesting to see the demeanor and the strength of no problem. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I, you know, it's not going to affect me to begin to see that be purged out of these young people that by the end they were doing everything they could to hold it together and not, um, not lose their, their bowels and, and, you know, the tears flowing down their, their face and just thinking that this could be my reality if I continue on the path that I'm continuing on. And when I think of the word woe, you know, we're in a woe. It's like a child going to run across the street, you know, right into traffic. And you go, whoa, 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 no, 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 don't do that. Or going to touch a hot stove. Whoa, whoa, no, no, don't do that. The warnings have been there and been there and been there. We would not be in a woe if the people of God would just have seek, and seek, would seek God and have sought him out. And... 
It is the love of God that brings his justice, his judgment. And judgment and the holiness of God has been lost on the church today because there is a cost. We were born sinners. There is a price to pay in in our dying to ourselves to experience fellowship and relationship with a God who is holy. Because evil and good cannot exist together in in fellowship. And so we are, um, this is a warning. And and the Lord showed me this scripture that I just, just wanted to, Psalm 94. We know we're protected from the Psalm 91. But this one was really hit me between the eyes this week when I was looking at the shaking of the nations that started and is coming in greater intensity. In the New Living Translation, it says, Think again, you fools. When will you finally catch on? Is he deaf, the one who made your ears? Is he blind, the one that formed your eyes? He punishes the nations. Won't he also punish you? He knows everything. Doesn't he also know what you are doing? The Lord knows people's thoughts. He knows they are worthless in, in terms of in vanity. Joyful are those who, discip- who you discipline, Lord. Those who teach your instructions. You give them relief from troubled times until a pit is dug to capture the wicked. And these are the verses that are really important. Verse 14 says, the Lord will not reject his people. He will not abandon his special possession. Judgment will again be founded on justice and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it. Um, It goes on and I want to encourage you to read that. But this is a time that God is shaking people up because the real truth is, there is, a, there is a payoff for sin for a season. Nobody wants the misery and the shaking and the terror, the, the terror. Three times that he spoke in the word that the terror that's coming. The people who are abiding in him and protected by Psalm 91 and in the secret place, as Psalm 91 says, shall not be afraid for the terror by night. Nor for the arrow that flies by day. We don't have to be afraid of any of that. You you never have to fear evil coming against you when you're walking in holiness and purity and in the total protection, the total confidence. But when you decide, "Mm, you know, I've done this. See, Greg mentioned last week something very interesting. He said, you know, people just kind of, just leave me alone. I just want to be left alone. I I just want to do my thing. That is not God ignoring Those same people, when they cry out to God, wonder sometimes where he is. That's not God ignoring and giving you space. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. But how often have we, I know in my own life, the things that I have done, the payoff for sin, I have wanted sometimes more than the consequence of the evil. And it's because God's grace. Satan uses the grace of God to deceive and say, there's no consequence for sin. There's no, yeah, see, you didn't even get in trouble for that, see? You know, you were able to engage in that. You were able to be, you know, dealing with that or, you know, partaking in that for so long. It's not that bad. It's not, it's not great, but it's not that bad. God is saying no more. I love you too much to do anything apart from me because I do have a fierce plan for you. And he will not share 
his desired relationship with you with the enemy. That's why the line has to come. That's why the lukewarm have to be spit out. I can't have a husband and a boyfriend at the same time and be true to one of them. There is no being true if I have someone else. God wants a bride pure and holy set on him. Yes. And now what's happened is his grace and his grace and his grace and his warnings, his warnings have come. And now he's like it's time. It's time to show my love by my holy justice. Yes. And I'm going to scare these people straight who oppose me. That is why people will turn to him. Sadly, sadly these young people on this episode, it took that experience. It took that shakeup. Now they weren't sentenced there. Sometimes that's what happens. People get sentenced and they have their wake-up call. Only God knows what will be our wake-up call. But what he knows now is that this woe at this time is to say a mighty holy woe. Stop doing what you're doing and turn to me. Now where the enemy's trying to compete is the enemy wants you to think that everything that's shaking people up, everything that's rocking people's worlds is just, you know, God's just allowing him to run rampant and he doesn't care about you and he's you know he's not helping you he doesn't even care that people get sick he's trying to lie and that's why God is saying no no I'm going to I'm going to upstage this whole thing they've been allowed to do their shaking but when I do what I do people will know it is me yes. and it is my love and it is my hand yes. and so that's a pretty ominous thing you know it, it took me a, a while to understand that I don't have to fear what's coming. And but oftentimes we don't know what God gives us. And what I said during communion today, what he paid for for me to be victorious, sometimes we just cannot appreciate it because of the carnality of our flesh and our unwillingness to lay down. Sometimes we cannot appreciate that he'll never leave us or forsake us until we're in these times of there's nobody here. I don't Okay, okay. I, you look for everything. What can I do? What resources? Like Greg said, what, what money can I make? What, what can I control? What can I control? I can, I can control nothing. Okay, finally, God. Last resort. It's a last resort turning to him, not a first resort. He will not have it anymore. He won't have it anymore. Why? It's because if he was your first resort, then he could trust you. With the blessings that he wants to give you. He could trust you with the benefit and the life of all the fruits of the spirit that he wants us to have. And yet we've rejected and rejected and rejected these wonderful things. That's why I hurt for those parents that had to send their kids to the scared straight. They're like, man, I, I want to give you so much. I've said that to my girls. I want to reward you. I want to give it. I can't reward this behavior. I can't. I can't. Your choice has its own consequence. But I want so much more for you. If you'll turn to me, I can give you everything that I planned. So that's that's what we're entering into, and that's why your prayer, as we know in ignition, the prayer cannot be God, please stop the chaos. Mm -mm. The woe is happening. It's happening. What we can do is say, God, bring the people through it, transformed. That they will never again see a payoff for dabbling in anything other than you. Yes. It's got to be you. It's got to be you. That we can pray for. That we can go before the throne and say, I plead the blood of Jesus over the people that he lays on our heart. Over this nation. 
That's what we're fighting for. Even our president, we are praying that there be no human answer sought out, but that Almighty God would be looked to for the help and the hope that there would be again one nation under God. That is what we fight for. And by the way, that is what unifies us. That unity, that power, that force. There is division everywhere we look. Everybody's fighting about everything. Not just race. They're fighting about everything. There is all kinds of division. I mean, you could barely speak any level of, of anything of an opinion, and you don't have 50 people coming back and saying, I wholeheartedly agree, and anybody that, agrees, that disagrees with you is a jerk. And then the other person saying, you're a jerk, and I disagree with you. I mean, it's just, it's like, you can't, it, it, everybody, there's, there's division everywhere. That's why God has to separate out. He has to weed out. Because only he, only in him is there true unity. The human level of unity, we don't even know what that is. We only know true unity. We know conformity. You know, we, knew, we know uniformity. You know, but we don't know true unity unless we're in him. That's the way he set it up. He set it up that way. So this is, um, these are heavy times. These are heavy times. But when you know your authority, man, your prayer life ought to be on fire. It ought to just yeah. be on fire. You, we got to know, and I said this to the ladies, and, and I'm not going to say it now, but if we don't know that we walk, you know, in First Peter 2, about that we are kings and priests in the kingdom. We, we operate with the power of an authority of decrees to come against hell, to come against the prescriptions of hell on behalf of us and this nation. We can pray against things, and our voice is heard in the spirit. We may have a small footprint here, but that has no bearing on the footprint we have in the spirit realm and in the heavenly realm. And just as a side note, why has Ignition stayed so small? Because people don't want to be all in. They don't. It's not because people are rejecting God. They just want God with all their comforts, with the kind of music they like, with the kind of building they like. With the kind of people they like. With the kind of, well, I, you know, I'm, I like this because it has a, a bigger children's ministry or it has a bigger group that, you know, I need to be in a group where I feel like I can relate to other people. So I want this because this offers this group. Instead of saying, God, where do you want me? The divisions among the bride are, are insane for crazy reasons. It's always going to be a small group when it comes to get, laying everything down. Everything down. That's why the remnant is a remnant and it's not the bride. Now, God is building that. He's growing that. But there's a price. There's a price to pay. And, but the benefits, oh, man, the benefits. It's um, don't find yourself raw meat for the lion. And if you need that word released again, we'd be happy to remind you of the, of the actual word that the Lord said is during this woe. But uh, we know that it's building. It's going to get more intense. Um, but I'll tell you what. Remember that the Holy Spirit is an equal, equalizing pressure. So the greater the force externally that comes around us, the, by very design, the power of the Holy Spirit within us rises up to meet the pressure of what's around us. That is why he always makes a way for us to escape the temptations that come to us. Why? Because his spirit rises up in, in, in an equal pressure to come against it. But if we don't let it, if we decide that, well, yes, I guess it is, this life's going to hell in a handbasket, I'm a victim, I'm, you know, I'm a mess, and nothing's ever going to work, then we won't see that rise up. The very same power that, that is inside of us 
raised Jesus from the dead. Just spend a couple hours on that statement. Change your life. So, these are exciting times, not just the ominous, difficult times. But it all depends on your lens, the mind of Christ. I'm going to pray, and then, um, and then I'm going to mention a couple things uh, before we leave that, that we're, going to, we're going to do. Father God, I praise you. I thank you, God, for this word given today. God, I thank you for what you're doing. Yes, it is a woe. But God, it is your love. It is your love saying, whoa, my people. Whoa, don't go there anymore. Do you not know the destruction that you're walking in? The destruction that you're perpetuating? You cry out to me and say, I'm not here. Where am I? Where is God when we need him? But you don't choose me. You have not chosen me. You have served other gods. You've been unfaithful. And now it's time for you to see what you've been sowing upon you. The corruption, the destruction. But as you turn to me, the light that will shine at the end of the dark shaking will be as bright as any light we've ever seen. And the light we get to be right now, Father, I thank you. I thank you. The light we get to be right now as your people, as your awakened remnant bride gets to shine the light in the darkness where you take us right now. God, I pray that you just let our faith rise up. Just like you say in Hebrews, let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering because he is faithful who promised. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We love you. Get rid of what doesn't need to be in our lives. I just ask you that in Jesus' name. As hard as it is, as much as it might rip and painfully hurt as it comes out, God, what you want to put in there is just far greater. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.